0: and welcome to the Owners and Operations podcast. I'm your host, Erin Andrews, a generational accounting firm owner rebelling against all the rules of the traditional accounting firm. My husband, Jake, and I transformed our accounting firm so that we no longer work overtime, even during tax season, without losing a dime of revenue. Now, we teach other accountants exactly how we did it and what we continue to learn about business ownership and life along the way. We want to educate and empower firm owners to make changes that will give them back their time to enjoy their lives and strategies to grow their profits. We record all of our sessions live in our private Facebook group. So head on over to the show notes to join the group and to join in on our discussions.
1: All right, welcome everybody!
0: Thank you for
1: joining us yet again. Happy Friday! Um, just a quick reminder: if you would like to listen to any of our other talks, we are on podcast platforms. We're on Amazon, Apple, Google, and Spotify. So if you just search "owners
0: and operations," owners and operations. What is with the-, the ampersand? With the ampersand, and then accountants. Space dash base accountants. Yeah, I just like saying the word ampersand.
1: Yeah. I I'm gathering that actually. Um, so yeah, if you just look up there, you can find all of our previous talks. This is our second season. So there's a lot to catch up on if you haven't listened to our other talks before. All right, Erin, go ahead.
0: All right. So, um, We like to help accounting firms out, and I thought this was actually a really great topic to kind of piggyback off of last week's topic, which was about getting ready for tax season. And today we're gonna talk about client onboarding. We're gonna talk a little bit about our process, but also um, why it's so important to focus on your client onboarding process, how it actually impacts the entire relationship you have with the client, um, that sets the tone for the relationship um, moving forward. So we brought Amber on, She's our director of operations. She was on a few months ago. Hi. She is fantastic. She's been with here for us for 10 years, almost with Straight Line. She director of operations for Straight Line. Um, And she helped set up all the processes and she was headed, headed, headed up, headed up, headed up, headed Headed. up the client onboarding uh, for the past several years and has really refined the process. And so we are here to talk to her about that. So Amber, what's up?
2: Hello. Um, yeah, like Erin said, been here with Straight Line anyways for 10 years. Um, saw it go from no onboarding process to a pretty refined onboarding process that we have now um, and was recently able to hand it off to a lead onboarder. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit down the road and finding that right person. Um, but I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yeah, you're just a wealth of knowledge. So
2: love all that. Amber has a really
1: good... Uh... Podcast recording voice. Thank you, Katie. Katie.
0: So. <laughs> and for those of you have, who have not joined us before, we make this kind of fun, not like super boring and stuffy. We want to make accounting fun and we don't take things very seriously. So,
1: yeah, okay. uh, we try not to uh, make you fall asleep, unlike another webinar I was listening to the other day where I actually fell asleep. So, <laughs> uh,
0: Katie, do you have the <laughs> weekly entertainment? Yeah, <sighs> I,
1: I will in a second.
0: Okay. You can, <laughs> All right. You can so let's you. kick it off. Let's, let's kick it off. Amber. So, um, I think we should start off with what, what our onboarding looked like before and what it looks like now. And if you just kind of want to go through why we changed cycle. it,
2: the process. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, lots to unpack there. Um, so, I mean, when I first started it, There was none, I think is the easiest way to say it, that Mm -hmm. it didn't exist. The limit does not exist. Um, So basically, it would be a uh, sorry, Mean Girls quote there. Um, So it'd be handed, (laughs) handed a client file and it was set this client up, get it all set, get it squared away, do whatever it is, and then it's done. Let everyone know when it's done. There was no interaction with the client. Um, there was no sort of timeline, not even really a checklist. Um, so over the years it morphed. It went from absolutely nothing to kind of bare bones of a checklist and a date we wanted it done. Um, to what it is now, which is, I think, more of a collaboration with the client themselves. Um, Reason why, I think the biggest mistake you can probably make in client onboarding is not having transparency. Um, The sales team does this awesome job of selling the client on our services, telling them how amazing our, yeah, no names, um, (laughs) how amazing our services are and how great of experience they're going to have. And then they go to be onboarded and they hear nothing from us for you know, two to six months, depending on the client. Um, that's not the relationship that we want. That's not how you build it up. So I think the reason we morphed this process is to keep the clients in the loop and make sure that they knew what was going on in the in the background.
0: Well, I think another reason was we were charging like these pretty big backwork back fees, mm-hmm. um, which were very, uh, what's the word? They were legitimate. We, we should be doing that. We were doing all this work, but the client really had no idea what we were doing so they were so in the dark that they were like, why am I spending all this money? But I have no idea what you're actually doing. We're not really hearing from you except for when you want something and you're kind of demanding it. Um, so that was the other thing we needed to not prove our value, but in a way justify the cost for what we are paying and, and make them understand this is why you're paying this large backwork fee and moving forward why it's worth it. Too, so that they knew someone was always working on it, regardless of um, you know how long it was taking, I guess. Um, and then also internally, I think was one of the biggest struggles too, like who's on first, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the internal struggle of okay, we sold this service now. What are we doing with it? Who's working on it? When does it have to be done? Mm-hmm. Um, and who is this client? Too, I think was a big part. So there's a lot of miscommunication both internally and with the client themselves. Yeah. And even the client would get confused
0: by the staff they were speaking to. So they would speak to me or whomever else was selling the client. And I would make it clear that they're not going to work with me because I don't do client work anymore. But they would be like, Well, who is Amber? Why am I hearing from Miranda now? Why am I hearing from this person now? Um, so it was also clarifying that as well too. So there was just, I think bottom line is there was a shitload of confusion.
2: Yeah, I think it probably all boils down to that. Um, you know, like like you said, you, they meet you and then there is a lot of people on the path to before they meet their service manager. Um, mm-hmm. And that was that biggest gap in service, I think, that we could provide a better experience for our clientele.
0: Yeah. So if you could list the top three benefits of having a streamlined, like, very robust onboarding process. What do you think those top three would be? And I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't prepare you for that.
2: That is quite all right. Um, top three, I think we just went through the first one, miscommunication, um, identifying truthfully. I mean, now that we're on the spot, I'll bring it up. Uh, we had a client, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, that we were mid-onboarding and actually realized they weren't a good fit during our onboarding process. So I think that sometimes, you know, most of the time the sales team will catch that, but the benefits of having an onboarding process where we're checking in with the client on a regular basis and having them follow... We're very collaborative as an accounting firm, so we need people that respond back and forth to us. So realizing early on that they're not going to be that person and being able to catch that um, was a huge benefit, I think, as well, being able to not continue a relationship that shouldn't be continued. Um, that, by the way, that client never would have caught during the sales process. <laughs> I know what
0: you're talking about. That was not yeah. foreseen what happened with him. He might have given her a, little, a couple little crotch shots during the video uh, by putting the camera down there. While well, she was doing onboarding, there you go.
2: He didn't do that to me. Yeah, there was a couple, yeah, a couple little, uh, interesting <laughs> moments with that client while we were being onboarded. That's for sure. that um, we were able to catch things like that. Um, I like how
1: she says he was not a good fit. Instead of he was a fucking mega creep. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. She like <laughs> <She's> so polite. <laughs> <laughs> she
1: she later
0: she's like, so just so you know, um, he might have put the camera down by his junk and like just sat it there. And I was like, okay, just that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, there- Amber, I am No, you. that's all right. That is, um, <laughs> so some things are not foreseen during the sales process. <laughs> there is not everything that you can catch in the sales process. That <laughs> is right. Uh, unless you're physically with the client. So Zoom, um, just make sure that the camera is catching their face and you should have a good relationship moving forward from there. Um, but yeah, disconnection with the client, catching poor clients, um, making sure that they know. I think because we're such a collaborative team, making sure that they understand and know from the get that this is how we're going to work. And we're going to be communicating on an all the time, regular basis. They didn't know that before. So we'd have this awesome sales meeting. And then like Erin said, you know, two to six months, depending on how much work they would have going on. And then all of a sudden, six months later, we're like, Hey, you want to talk to us every month for 15 minutes? That's Hmm. not, we weren't setting them up for success. They weren't realizing our processes. So. That was and that's huge, a super,
0: super long onboarding process. What is our goal now? What what is our average onboarding time now and our goal? Uh goal is 30 days, average time is about 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we really tightened it
2: up. Is and that I because think the
1: clients don't get you the stuff back as fast as they should or
2: part of it, yeah. But the other part was without an onboarding process, you don't have a timeline. So mm-hmm. unless you set specific internal, your Kind of making yourself be accountable when you're meeting with a client right off the rip and saying, we're going to have this done by this date. Your first payroll is going to be here. Your books are going to be cleaned by here. And then we're going to set up a tax meeting in September. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you are held accountable to that and have to follow it. Otherwise, it's, hey, we'll let you know when we're done with the books. There's no accountability there. Um, mm-hmm. So held us mm-hmm. accountable too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the big issues that also
0: came up that we have since fixed was I would I would quote the backwork fee. And this was me just having inexperience in pricing and not having a good system for doing pricing. But I would quote the backwork fee. It would take forever to put together a quote. And I wouldn't quote the monthly accounting fee, monthly accounting fee moving forward at that time. So what would happen was we do all this work onboarding the client would have no idea what the monthly account, and we'd also lose months worth of monthly accounting fees to mm-hmm. you know that we could have taken advantage of because it took us forever to onboard. But then the client would be like, "I'm not paying that <laughs> for monthly accounting fees going forward. So our sales process, even though I was good at like selling them upfront, that part sucked too, because I wasn't doing the right thing. Now I have the tools available to do pricing, and I' actually just signed up a client today. I did all the backwork fee, everything explained it, and the monthly accounting fee. So starting nine twenty eight or nine thirty, he's going to have monthly accounting fees being drafted as well as the backwork fee. So I think that was also my fault, and we learned a lot from that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. <laughs> so don't wait to do your pricing. <laughs> yeah, do it upfront. Also, there's an expectation that if anything's discovered during your onboarding that would dramatically, you know, change this fee. Th- that is very clear to, to the client as well. We might have to go back and adjust your fee based on what we discovered during onboarding and doing this back work. So it's not like we just say, this is it. Or, you know, They're aware that it could adjust slightly too. Okay.
2: Yeah. And that's something that we go over. We have that first kickoff meeting with a client, which really should happen within, the first email should happen within 24 hours of them signing. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we see you, we know you, we're excited to work with you. Um, and after that, I mean, as early as the client can possibly have that kickoff meeting, mm-hmm. via Zoom or in-person, depending on your you know, firm, exactly. then that's when it should happen. The quicker you can get them in the door, the quicker you can find those disparities, the quicker you can fix those fees. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. want to be catching those as we start the live work. We're oh, they actually have three credit cards and a PayPal account that we didn't know mm-hmm. about. So mm-hmm. if you can have that kickoff where you're with them, you're getting their logins right there, right on the spot. You're going to catch the logins that you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, you start that work right after that. as you're doing the books, you're going to catch those disparities. So that's um, I think that's the biggest yeah. reason for having that initial kickoff meeting with them and obtaining the information with them on the phone. That email has a list of, you know, the documents that they're not going to have on hand. just, randomly they're going to need to prepare for Mm -hmm. but if they can have that list of documents come to it the kickoff meeting with that list and then get everything else we're missing um set a timeline and Mm -hmm. seems to be pretty smooth sailing from there i
1: have a question amber um so since uh you guys have niched down and like really defined the ideal client and stuff how has that changed the onboarding process has it made it simpler or like can you just talk about that
2: yeah um I think it's probably made, Erin can speak on this, but I think it's probably made the sales process easier. And um, the easier the sales process is, the easier the onboarding is. Because if we're trying to figure out these 12 programs for the health industry and these 12 programs for the construction industry, it's a lot for an onboarding team to tackle. Mm-hmm. When we take on a construction client now, we we know exactly what they need to be set up for. And it's listed on their engagement letter, which software is they're going to need to use because we already know. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been the biggest cutting down on the fluff and the random softwares yeah. that other companies may or other industries may use.
0: Well, I also want to say the sales part the process, I guess it's obviously a huge part of the onboarding because in my proposal and during my sales process, I discussed the onboarding process at least three times and it's actually outlined out in the, in the proposal. So- the, and I went over today with that client I signed up. Again, this is going to be your your onboarding process. You're going to be assigned to your onboarding team. So he he's well aware of what's, what's going to happen. There's no surprises like, oh, who's this person I'm going to hear from? Told him Miranda will be contacting you as soon as you sign this. So setting the expectations if you're in charge of the sales process, that is... I, I always hate it. I hated it. I remember some guy from ADP came to me a long time ago and he promised me everything under the sun. And I was pissed because when I got signed up with something, we did not get everything under the sun. I'm obviously the firm owner. So I know what I can and cannot promise. I'm not just a random salesperson that we have, but once we hire an outside salesperson, which we are working on doing, if anybody is interested, um, they will, we are not going to be, Setting false expectations and false promises. Um, what what and I explain that very clearly also to the onboarding team, too. So the sales process is so important to go into the onboarding process as well. Setting expectations. What is it? under over a promise, under no,
2: under <laughs> promise over. Delivery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. that's that's I think almost like our motto now yeah. with onboarding, mm-hmm.
2: right? And keeping that in mind when you're creating those timelines, too. this mm-hmm. is when I think I can get it done by add 15 days, you know, you never know that random topic that'll pop up. So you never want to say, I'll get it done by this day. And then, Hey, sorry, but I got to extend that. You want it Mm -hmm. to be the other way around, set it out for 15 days. And if you get it done 15 days early, they're going to be pumped.
0: Since we've implemented this wicked streamline onboarding process. Have you noticed a difference in the client, like the new clients that we've taken on and their satisfaction and and just like their engagement with our staff? Mm -hmm.
2: Um, I don't know if we have the actual data that would actually be probably a fun thing to pull, but there was one point where we were onboarding. I mean, we had this whiteboard and it was, I don't know, Jake, what 20, 25 people big. It was huge. And it was all these clients and we onboarded them all. I think we kept two. Um, and uh-huh. that's, you know, I could be uh-huh. wrong with the data there, but it was because we were just lying by the seat of our pants. They would mm-hmm. end up being clients and they had no idea what our expectations were to be clients. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of goes all the way back to that miscommunication. But But that was big for us. And I think to touch on what Erin was talking about a minute ago, overlap is so important. She overlaps her sales with the onboarding process. So there's no questions as to what that onboarding is. Then when we take the onboarding, we overlap the sales. We review what she went over, what services are included, what she had discussed. So there's that overlap there. When we hand it to the client or to the service manager, whoever's taking that client on, we overlap it there, we go over once again, what's included, what the expectations are. You wanna say things to the point that people, I think, I can't remember, Jake might remember better, but we had listened to somebody at some sort of seminar somewhere and they said, I think it might've actually been Rootworks. but someone had said, you want to say something to someone so much that they end up rolling their eyes because they've heard it so much. Like, yeah, 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 we get what, you, what you're talking about. We get it. But then there's no confusion, and and I think that's the biggest reason clients leave firms is because they are confused either about what they're getting or what they're paying for. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I think that's the uh, yeah. the C mm-hmm. the CRO chief repeating officer for internal yes. stuff too. Just that consistently, oh, constantly repeating things over and over and over and over and over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I think it would be, I think I would love to talk about how we identified our onboarding team and a lead and just how much that's helped and how we kind of got that position as well as whatever goes into I think and then I want to talk about our our mini process and who's included in that process within internally.
2: Yep. Um so Basically, we found out that the person that creates processes best isn't the person that follows processes best. That was me. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the best person for a lead onboarder is someone with a crazy attention to detail, crazy customer service skills, and even better follow through. I think those are the three things that you really need to be a great onboarding person. Love that. Um, I love that. Write it down, thank Kate. You. Yep. <laughs> and that is in our office, yeah. Miranda Pink. Um, she hits all three of those boxes. So you have to have that customer service key. You have to be engaging with clients, fun to talk to, personable. You have to have good follow through. You should be reaching out to these clients at least once a week with an update, even if the update is there's no update. Hey, this um, is what, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Here's what we still need from you. Um, And you need to have that We follow through customer service, right? Right. Yep, detail. Yep.
3: And she she also has yeah, in detail. You can't
2: mess them up. The detail. I mean, great I think you have to skills. have. It. She does have great writing skills. Yeah, yeah.
3: skills. So mm-hmm. She just just from her background. Yeah. So that just makes she's a natural for that role. Yep. Yep.
2: Well, she's, she's like the
1: queen of the library and her town. So mm-hmm. she literally she so is. She's on yes. the board
0: of the. Li- she's a librarian. Mm-hmm. She's like a library. Yeah, I call library her library queen. queen. Yeah, library queen. That's it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like that. Yes. <laughs> no, that's great. And then so um a little bit about our our process. Um, if you want to just kind of just what, what our process looks like, I can can start from the sales piece. Um, so as a sales piece, I have a couple meetings with them, discuss expectations, go over all their pain points. And obviously we determine what services they need. I have a thorough engagement letter. I do. I take pretty, pretty good notes. Sometimes I don't always put those notes in the computer. People have to remind (laughs) me to do that. (laughs) I'm a lot better now. Okay, guys. Um, and I either send an email or that we review the notes in HubSpot. And um I immediately notify our team when a client has signed and we immediately schedule an internal kickoff meeting within 24 hours of them signing to discuss that client and the steps moving forward and the details of the engagement of everything we'll be
2: doing. And then so the people in that, the people in that internal kickoff meeting are. People in the internal kickoff meeting i the sales team and whoever the onboarding team is going to be, especially the the onboarding lead. That's the most important. And the biller, the biller is so important. Uh, We can talk about that missing piece that we had for quite a while. Um, Don't expect your person that's billing to know, to just be able, or the lead onboarder. You can't expect either of them to be able to read a proposal and really know the client and what's expected. It's Mm -hmm. listed out on there, but when you're having conversations with clients, you're talking about things that are much deeper. Maybe they're not even accounting related, but it's personality based or what type of things they're into. You know, part of our process is sending out a client gift. Did we learn something in that internal or in that sales process that maybe would lead us towards a gift that matches their personality? Um, you can't know a client from reading a proposal. So, no. That internal kickoff meeting was huge. After the internal kickoff meeting, we have our client email goes out, like we said, within 24 hours. um, And that is a non negotiable. It has to. Um, Between that date, that email has a link with booking that initial kickoff meeting. Um, If it outstands for more than, I would say, three days or so, we're reaching out to the client and saying, hey, can we get this on the schedule Um, to make sure that it happens? Then we set up that timeline. So, timeline. Connecting the client with our internal, we have a system internally where the client can see everything that we want them to do and everything that we're doing, so they can their tasks, so they can Mm -hmm. kind of get updated. Which we go over in the kickoff meeting with the client, as well as the dates that we're setting um, to get their stuff done and who their team is.
0: And we Um, also set expectations that if you don't get us the information, this will not move forward. So we mm -hmm. put we put a lot of the ownership in their hands. I would have to say too, which also we have a, a client, um, best services, client expectations, best practices that we put in there so that they basically part of the engagement letter, they sign off and say, I acknowledge that I am also part of this relationship and I have a responsibility on my end to provide straight line with X, Y, and Z and communicate on a regular basis too. Mm-hmm. Um, so
2: yeah yep so that initial meeting happens we set every timeline's different you know some people have 10 years back work some people are brand new so it depends on or some people have what was that 15 for that one client a few oh my years ago? 15 never, big ever, boxes. ever again. i don't know mo- we got a lot of money we got a lot of money from that right we got a lot of money yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's still it. a client today so so we did we're client. doing okay um but yeah, that was that was a lot of work. But obviously you can't finish that in our 45 day timeline, right? So um, sometimes you're gonna you just have need to test to the timeline a bit. I you just know, need to work I know. why I didn't work overnight and get that done in 30 days is beyond me. I yeah, I've got to step my game up a little bit. Um, so after that, we have that weekly, at least a weekly email going out. And like I had mentioned, they can now see the tasks that we're completing and the tasks that they still have outstanding but you don't want them to have to enter that program to see it. So you still want to send them that weekly update email, that mm-hmm. personable connection, building that client relationship. Loom, uh, videos. Once Loom videos. Yep. Show your face. If you're a remote firm, can't say that enough. They want to see you. That's that connection based. You're not a robot. You're not a computer. Um, as much as I heard Jake might sometimes be behind the screen on these podcasts. He's not behind the screen in real life. Right. But, um, and then at the end of that, we have a go live meeting. And that's where that overlap happens again. That lead bo- onboarder is still on that go live meeting with their new client account manager. So they're meeting the person that they're going to be working with, you know, forevermore or until they, right. you know, sometimes people switch, but that's when they're meeting that person, but they still have that connection. So they're with Miranda, who they already have a connection with, who's now introducing the next step, the next person in their process. Um, Kate and I have been talking a lot in the last uh, few days anyways about having some sort of, this is, I guess that's another thing to say. It's very important to never think your process is perfect or done. Processes are living things and you have to update them and change them as they go. I actually
3: want (laughs) to, I want to tweak our onboarding a little bit. I haven't brought it up with anybody Because I think you guys are gonna freak out. But I there's a couple (laughs) of things I wanna add as like just little layers to it. But um, yeah, it's it doesn't ever end.
2: No processes are alive. You never have a process done. Um, so we've been talking a lot about after that. So say, you know, a month in that lead onboarder or that salesperson then reaching back out to that client. Hey, you've been with your service manager now for a month. How's it going? Is it everything you expected? The earlier you can diagnose issues and solve them and mm-hmm. fix them, the better.
3: Yeah, and Amber, sorry, guys, I You can probably off. talk about it a little bit for because you're talking about just transitioning clients, people internally. Every once in a while, that gets a little sticky. Sure it does. On the
2: client people like what they know.
3: Yes. Do you think we we've done? What do you think has changed that's made that process? sort of just a lot smoother than it was before. Do you think that's mm-hmm. gotten better? I feel like it has just
1: it has. Yes. Probably just the
3: communicate. What we've said probably I should keep track of how many times we say expectation today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But or the overlap. communication <laughs> of the yes.
3: of what we expect from clients and what they should expect from mm-hmm. us. Yep. Having that be as smooth as possible. Right. So that when well, we do hand them off they already know.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You're gonna get switched to you're gonna talk to a bunch of million like four or five Maybe six people throughout mm-hmm. your whole process if you're doing a and stuff like that. Uh huh. But and I feel I think like part that's of always that still an issue. But we've done a pretty good job, I think.
2: Yeah, it is. And ultimately, I think there's certain clients that you know they fall in love with their bookkeeper, and isn't that what we're trying to get after? Right, we're trying to find. We want our staff and our relationships to be so strong that they're like, no, I don't want to leave that person. Like that's the goal. Um, if they're like, right. okay, bye. unless, sta- unless the staff leaves job. us, then they still have to stay. The client still has to stay with us.
1: <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> not that close. Okay. When you're <laughs> assigning um, yes. a new client to a bookkeeper mm-hmm. or to their, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting what you're calling it. Their their
2: account manager. Their yeah, manager.
1: Yeah, there we account go. Manager, manager
3: point of contact whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm.
1: They're their captain. Um Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> when you're assigning them that. to a captain, do you I like
0: that actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you base it off of like personality or just availability, or what do you look at and who does that assigning? Is it you? Is it Aaron?
2: Um, right now, me. that's it's definitely right- not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, both is the answer to your personality and capacity question. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, not only mm-hmm. does somebody have to have the capacity to take that client on, um, but there's certain, even though we are niche down, there's certain types of that niche that get along better with different personality types. Mm -hmm. Um, Some -hmm. people like the loud and obnoxious me, and some people like the really reserved and structured. Yes, exactly. So we want to try to base that personality off of that. but ultimately, yeah, it has to lead down to capacity too. It might be the best person for you. But that leads to Jake's question about switching, right? So it's a kind of a perfect mm-hmm. segue about switching clients. So sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes the person's with the wrong account manager and we mm-hmm. have to switch them over. Or mm-hmm. an account manager is getting elevated into a new position and they need to drop off some of their clientele. Or we hired we hire a new staff and we mm-hmm. need to you know, move that work downwards so, or sideways. Um, so, the biggest thing that we've seen, and there is still a struggle with it sometimes, but is that overlap piece. You can't expect a client to be happy with, hey, Kate's your account manager now. Bye. That's never going to go well. I um, mean, that's what we used to do. We used to say, hey, you know, here's, let's call her Joe. Here's Joe. And she now is your account manager. See you later. You know, it's been really great working with you. And mm-hmm. now we treat it, it's at least a two month transfer. So the client is getting introduced from their bookkeeper, just like the onboarder introduced them to their initial account manager. This account manager is now introducing them to their new account manager. So it's important that that overlap happens. They set up a meeting with the client. Hey, I'm introducing you to this person. Here's a little bit about her background. Um, You know, with Joe is a great example. She has a master's in accounting. Um, That's a really thing that clients like to hear. Maybe Mm -hmm. they have five years of experience in the construction industry, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, but anything that we can give that validates that person's They've been with the company for six years. Anything that we can give to validate that person's mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. and show that. And then they trust. stay on. Tr- yep. Yes. To tr- start building that trust. And then trust. They- Yes. Yes. Because ultimately that's what they have with their account manager that they're not going to have with their new person. Mm -hmm. Um, So building that relationship and letting it simmer. So that first month, it's still the regular account manager who's just copying the new one on those emails and including them in any phone calls. Then it starts to transfer and, you know, it flip-flops, but the other person's still involved. Now the other person's still being copied. Um, And some clients take longer there's some clients that, you know, that transition period might have to be five months. It might be 11 okay. years. Yeah, <laughs> might, it might might 11, be 11 years. years. We, we have um, one right now. <laughs> we do. So there's certain Love clients us. that you have to handhold a little bit more in that transition process and knowing that. But in order to do that, you have to have a client relationship to the point where you would know that the client needs a longer time to transition.
0: So would this boil down to communication and expectations?
3: Said it again. Right, Wait, back to the it. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ding
0: ding ding I ding. Mean, where is your bell, Jake? Yeah. Oh, I
3: have the it's bell on, right here. It's on own, ring, the bell, ring the bell. Ring
0: the bell. Ring
1: the bell. Actually, then, you there we go. A, ding, ding ding ding. that
3: that for that, uh, uh, Yeah. Prospect and then we also a, we also introduced,
0: I think, a lot of technology too to really streamline these processes. So I start with the technology. Um, using proposal, Proposify from my proposals. Those are saved automatically. We obviously draft all of our fees. We don't wait for checks. That's savage. Crazy. So we draft fees um, and we use HubSpot to manage the client information. Um, and then we do have a tech stack that clients use as well for the the organization of the um, the flow for the actual onboarding process in addition to the technology that we use. So in our communication technology too is huge as well. We don't just stick to emails, right? We pick up the phone, which is kind of an archaic idea, I think, and talk to the people or Zoom the people, which is still, you know, obviously speaking. And we do Loom videos, right? I think that's a lot more personal than just an email and text message. So if you're not up on the communication game, I don't know if we talked about communication yet, maybe we did a little bit or expectations. Yeah. I don't know. But so that's (laughs) communication. There you go. So,
1: yeah.
3: And we, and we have had, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but I know it's happened where we've had clients that just were bad fits for the bookkeeper. Like they Mm -hmm. were just clashing and we're like, okay, we have, we either need somebody that's more assertive and forceful, maybe a little bit straightforward Mm -hmm. to take over. For Mm -hmm. a bookkeeper or vice Mm -hmm. versa with a client, because sometimes that will dictate how where we land people to with different keepers or the account manager. But it is important.
2: And the good thing, I mean, we in that kickoff meeting, we're not just introducing the person that they're dealing with. We're we're introducing the entire team. We have a whole Mm slide in our kickoff meeting that introduces every single person on our team. So unless they're brand new, they're not hearing these names for the first time. Go over them in the kickoff meeting and then again in the onboarding meeting. They know who these people are and they know that sometimes they may hear from these people. We introduce them for transition purposes, but also for vacation purposes. So when somebody's Mm -hmm. taking a vacation and somebody else is doing their books that week or their payroll they're not hearing that name for the first time and be like, who's in my data? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's important, especially as we're remote. Cause um, as we've been hiring people from different States that uh, came up a few times because yeah, it was, Hey, someone from Arkansas is trying to get into my account right now. Um, and w- now that we explain, Hey, this is Joe. She's from Arkansas. She's one of our accountants here. If that ever happens, they know that that's not, yeah. you know, us trying to,
1: yeah
0: which is also why the States are on the bios and the website too. So people know that we're not random people. Mm-hmm. Do we also, we also send um, a welcome, um, a welcome gift. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what do you, I've been kind of out of that for a while. Like what, what do you, what is your opinion on that? On and the welcome guests, like? Um, We like
2: to have those happen long before the go live. It's kind of a mm-hmm. thank you Thanks. for signing on with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're excited to have you here kind of gift. Mm-hmm. Um, Always with some straight line swag, but ultimately that that isn't personal. That's, yeah. hey, wear this around so that you can advertise for a company, right? So we send that stuff because it's fun and it's fillers, but that isn't the main gift. That's mm-hmm. the stuff around the main mm-hmm. gift. We do our absolute best to tailor that main gift to whether it's a sign with their business name on it mm-hmm. or a cool quote that a we quote. think would be really into mm-hmm. What did you do that? for
0: the um
1: the balloon company?
0: The
2: balloon company. I would actually
0: have to check with Miranda on that I one. gave I gave them a business made simple um annual subscription as a mm-hmm. gift. Oh. So so yeah, which that is something like, that you guys had discussed in the was sales like, call, right? Yeah, that was two hundred seventy-five or ninety-five. Which is, I mean, you might be like, oh my god, that's a lot of money, but I don't know. They're paying us a lot of money, so mm-hmm. I mean, we've given a custom drawing of someone's um storefront before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like, they... The quote, a really, a couple really cool quotes. One of our clients is very, um, wordy. And so we actually took one of her quotes from her personal branding Facebook page. She was obsessed with it and she actually put it on Facebook. So another person, so it's just a little extra, like, yeah, it's great to give your mug,
2: but mm-hmm.
0: that's just saying, hey, but just they're saying, you.
2: Oh, thanks so much mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for this. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not anything personal. It's not a wow moment. You're trying to create wow moments yeah. at the end of the day in all yeah. of these things. So mm-hmm. wowing them in the sales, wowing them in the kickoff, wowing them when you do what you said you'd do. Cause mm-hmm. I honestly think that's lacking in today's world, actually following mm-hmm. through with what you said you were going to do and yeah. a wow. When you get the gifts, you know, you want to continually yeah. make them, was it raving fans? Yep, you don't raving get raving fans. fans from sending straight line koozies.
0: No, no. <laughs> And another thing I like to do during the sales process and I'm sure you guys are in the onboarding process is just give little like things of value that don't cost you anything. It's just like something like, hey, these are my favorite podcasts for business owners. Here's some great books. We'll we yep. usually send them a book depending on what they have going on in there like if it's if they're working on organization or if they're working on, you know, cleaning up their finances. It's just little little value drops you can do that don't cost a lot or are free that you can just give cuz I can't tell you how many times I've given a podcast recommendation to someone like, "Oh my god, I never even thought of this." I'm like, "Okay,
2: yeah," <laughs> you know. And that's throughout Great. the life of the relationship. If yeah. you're listening to a podcast and it reminds you of a client, mm-hmm. send it.
0: Yeah. So Jake actually listened to, um, happened to listen to a Business Made Simple podcast when we were onboarding a balloon client. Uh, that's that, Oh that, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And and we sent her the episode, and she actually implemented changes in her business because of the ep- one episode. you just happened to listen to it right when we right when we they signed on, and she was very grateful. She's like, I never thought of this, and she just she started implementing it. Actually, that would be good for the client we just signed on today, even though they're balloon. Good, we're gonna note that. Yeah,
3: yeah, it would be um, a good
0: one. yeah. So um, okay. So if I you, think,
3: I think that helps with um, like we're talking a lot about the front end. We were talking about this right before this podcast, Aaron. Um, There's two people that I think, two businesses, I guess, that do a really good job with front end client experience. One of them is Sixth Division. They're a marketing automation company. They're based in, I think, Arizona. Um, Found him, he was at one of the keynotes at Profit First Conference, We went to, probably two or three years ago. Oh, (laughs)
0: yeah,
3: Arizona. Their focus is video automation putting everything in a video upfront way before. So if we have a, even client meetings, hey Jim, we have a meeting next Thursday. Here's what to expect. Here's what to bring here's what to be ready for. So automating every little piece of anything that is repetitive, just automating a video. The other one is the Hormozis, who Amber and I are now I got a girl with.
2: crush on the wife. Yeah. It's true. They,
3: they just they talk <laughs> about being able to extend out the lifetime value of a customer or client based off of really diving into the front end and making sure that your client experience on the front end is as perfect as it could be for that client to create the best experience. And that will drive the relationship, that, that first interaction that you have. Mm
0: -hmm. Also, I would argue too, you might've talked about this when I had to hop off because the principal called about my son, but that's okay. Um, that if the onboarding industry, what did he do? Oh God, it's fine. Okay. It was an he's argument. An assertive over four square. strong future Okay. Boss. And he almost got in a fist fight over four foursquare. Four so there's that. Anyways,
1: um, he's definitely
0: your son. All right. So, a little
1: competitive.
3: He was the foursquare champion at at, at he camp was, this he was summer. The so four anyways, the so camp.
0: whenever I see that number come up, I have to answer it, even in the middle of a <laughs> podcast. So sorry about that, guys. Anyways, um, I would argue that um because we have such a great um when the more um, streamlined your onboarding process is and efficient, the the better it is you once you take on the work too. Mm-hmm. So th- if you're really setting up your staff for success too, and and the client, obviously, as well. So not only are you making that that front end really good, but you're making the, the longer term relationship really good because everything was so streamlined and effective before and the clients going into it really happy rather than really frustrated mm-hmm. and wondering why they signed up. Yeah. 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 Great. Okay. Amber, if you um so for somebody that has no onboarding process at all right now, and they're just kind of like us there before, just like just taking clients on, get to the back work when they need to, have real new organization, great intentions, but whatever. Um, what would you, what advice would you give for these people just to kind of
2: get started or to think about? Mm-hmm. On how to kind of get started. I think the first step is... Taking the time to sit there and write down everything that needs to happen during an onboarding client. So take your client that uses every single service that you offer and write down every single step to the point of add them to your CRM. So from the absolute beginning till the end, write down all of those steps, all of those softwares. And then maybe it's you, maybe it's someone else in your firm. Find someone that's really good at creating said process, hand them all of that and let them organize it. Um, if you don't have that stuff organized, there's no point in finding someone to follow through with it and do the process. You have to mm-hmm. kind of create that first. That would be my yep. first step.
0: Okay. And then what about um, after that, like IDing?
2: Yep. After that process is created,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Finding that right person to see it through. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the next step. So write down everything that's going on, everything that you have to do, organize it into a really pretty, you know, whether that's checklists, base it off of what you need from the client, what you need internally, um, find that person that's extremely good with follow through, um, that wants to do it too, that wants to do it. Yes, that is. What are those three they need to detail, follow through. And I
1: forget the other one.
2: Um, no, detail. No. <laughs> no, no. Um, they'll no. want it, need it, oh, or enjoy it. want capacity. it, capable of it, capacity enjoy it. it. Yeah. Capacity. Um, they have to have the capacity to be able to take that new service on, because especially if this is a new process for you, you're not going to mm-hmm. hire someone to just do onboarding, right? So it's going to no. be someone internally that's going to wear multiple hats. So mm-hmm. finding someone that's wants to do that, has the capacity for it, or maybe someone else has the capacity to take some of their work over to give them the capacity mm-hmm. to do it. Um mm-hmm. And those are, those are really the two things. Sometimes you just have to jump in. I think that's important. Um, and jump in before you're 110% ready. Having half of an onboarding process is better than having no onboarding process at all.
0: Yeah. And you can always build on it. Somebody, uh, Christophorus asked what systems do we use? So, uh,
2: for our Uh, proposal software, six to eight
3: whiteboards, six to eight whiteboards, (laughs)
2: <laughs> no longer <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> it was six to eight whiteboards, that eight eight whiteboards. we would move them from one whiteboard to the next whiteboard yes. when they were on yes. to the next part of the process it was oh we used to do that with world that in part. here
1: we did that with patients at the hospital
2: oh uh, yeah. yeah when you were at the hospital yeah no not yeah. anymore
0: yep.
2: um so it was well, the wild west out here um mm-hmm. now we did, we, have used, a system, though. we did have a system it existed we yeah, it, like it I, I said on
3: Onboarded what 40 50 clients doing that process <laughs> but it
2: sucked less than having no process, right? That's so, true. So that's jump true. on in. Um, systems, we use Asana, as the biggest one for us. Um, for organization. For organization right. purposes. So we have everything that that checklist that I was just kind of talking about, whether it's, you know, you have a document checklist and then you have a to do checklist, right? Set them up here, get the books up to date through this, um, have that entire checklist somewhere that's visible and share it with your client. They have a client section, you have a internal section. Don't be afraid to show them every single little thing that you're doing, it's okay. They might not care, but they will care if they haven't heard from you in two weeks and they don't realize it was all internal setup stuff. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. So we have all these different systems, whether it's Receipt Bank and De- or Dext rather, mm-hmm. and QuickBooks Online and Write Networks. And we have all of these systems we use, they don't really necessarily care that you're getting each one of those tasks done, but when they see that you did 30 tasks that week and they were all internal, at least they know you're doing something, right? So yeah. Asana is our biggest one, Loom for connection, personal connection, Nobody but is. but ultimately yeah, we use I think Asana yeah. and email.
1: Those mm-hmm. are
2: the two things that we use during our onboarding process. Yeah. Yeah. Um I would we also ask say
0: question. Oh, sorry. What? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I would also, um, like you just said the process, my, my thing, I remember before we had like a really, really good process. What I I cared about the most was focusing on the communication. As long as the client, I don't care if you have a fancy checklist that they can follow just touch base with the client on a very consistent basis and tell them what you're doing, what you're missing, what's next, that's, mm-hmm. that's because if they don't, if they're in the dark, they're not going to know. So that's my opinion is mm-hmm. if you can start anywhere, just make sure you have a cadence of communicating with the client on yeah. a very regular basis to keep mm-hmm. them. So
3: I think they assume the worst, probably if they're not yes. hearing from us, they just assume that nothing is happening.
0: I yes. Think. So if you're going to start that's anywhere, what that. that's what I would think. Communication. Right. Which is kind of weird that we say. <laughs> I think what we've learned from this is that communication is pretty important. Um, Yeah. Do you want to get to his other question? The list of steps of the onboarding process. Extensive. Um, Yeah, it's extensive. We're actually working on this on it's, it's something we put obviously a lot of time and energy into. Uh, We can do like a basic overview, but we're going to actually including this in a course that we're providing um, because it's, it's, it's a lot. It's not just there's a lot that goes into it. It's like a 15 step process that we have. So um, we'll give, we're going to give a brief overview of the basic steps, but uh, it will be included in a course that we're going to be providing um, very soon. So, yeah,
2: I can give a, I can give a very brief kind of overview of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And we kind of did touch on some of it already, but internal kickoff meeting, client kickoff meeting, um, internal setup is obviously huge. You got to get them set up everywhere. Um, Getting everything up to date. So whether that's bookkeeping, prior tax returns, whatever it may be. So getting that actual work done Um, and then setting them up for the live stuff moving forward, having a go live meeting with the client, transferring it over to the bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. Yep. On a very basic level. Yes. And communicating at least once a week all the way through that process. So that yep. they know the expectations, ding, 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 that we are setting for them. <laughs> <laughs> so. I will say sometimes during
0: the onboarding process, maybe not every task is completed either. So let's, let's say they might have a huge amount of back work to do. Yep. We're not going to wait to start their monthly accounting moving forward just because they have that huge amount of back. If, if that's the case, we're probably going to start them going live At the normal start date and continue Mm -hmm. working on the back work. So if they have five years worth of returns to do, we're going to work on the stuff in the background. We're not going to file the current year tax return, obviously, before the other ones are done, but we're still, we're going to get the books going, even though Mm -hmm. we probably can't really reconcile them the way we need to, but we're still going to, we're going to do the best that we can just to get them on a monthly cadence. So we're not pushing it out a few months just because one piece of the larger puzzle is missing.
2: Right. So that's kind and of we've had go live mm-hmm. meetings. Yeah, we've had go live meetings where we have three years of tax returns that still have to get done, but they're now on a live regular schedule, communicating with their bookkeeper yeah. every month, and they're on a payroll yeah. schedule. So yeah, it's a really good point to bring up. Yeah, before we used to actually—that's a I think a big thing that changed in our onboarding process. We used to wait for them to go live until everything was fully finished, mm-hmm. and and that was a bad idea. I mean, that could take eight months for a client that really should be the relationship gets lost in that large period of time right. and you're not yeah. having a connection with somebody. So it does. I and have a
1: question. Kind of, um, no. have you had more referrals from newer clients since yes. you started doing like all this? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Isn't the client that you signed yes. today?
2: Yeah. A referral, a referral when from I a brand a new client. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, we're obviously showing them the value up front. I think. Before a lot of our clients were seeing the value, but they had been with us for 10 years. So of course we've provided good value to them at some point. If we yeah. haven't, we should shut down, you know. Um, yeah. But now we're providing good value from day one. Right away, they're happy and excited. If to haven't, we haven't, we probably
0: us. shouldn't be doing this episode.
2: Yeah, well. If we haven't, like you guys should hop off this. Real quick. like yeah. Uh,
0: um, one thing that we have been working on implementing is um, this is kind of goes a staff is incentive pay to get onboarding, um, the client onboarding faster, because sometimes we have the tendency to, or the, we've found that, it, oh, we'll just push off the back work a little bit. You know what I mean? Cause you're, you have your other bookkeeping clients. So if you wanted to think about something about incentivizing your staff to onboard the client faster, because in the long run, that just benefits everybody, right? The clients onboard, they know what they're doing. We're making, we're more profitable on that engagement because it's, it's, it's done as fast as possible. Um, so what we're working on incentivizing is a 30 like 30 day hard and you get a percentage of the back work fee that they do. So that might be something you could think about too. If you're have if you're struggling getting the onboarding done in a, in a tight manner, our goal is 45 days, but 30 days has is, been, is and she's almost, she's, uh-huh. and our onboarding team, her person, didn't she, she was going to do it in under 30 days, but she didn't feel she had to, do, she knows she had to work out something and she pushed the date out. knowing she would, it wouldn't be 30 days just attention to
2: detail right
0: there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was looking out for the client's best Mm -hmm. interest. Yep. So that might be a good way to incentivize if you have staff. Um, I think, so if I'm going to recap all this, I think some of the the best things that have come out of, or the best thing that we did was implement, um, an onboarding lead, a main go-to person, because we're not scrambling around to figure out who can do what there's no confusion among the clients. Um, and also I know it's gonna be shocking. The constant communication. So I think those are the two best things that have come out of this. Um, aside from all the, you know, the the collaborative checklists and all that stuff, I think that's that's been the best couple things that we've done. So I think that's yeah, what we actually identified too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at us. Well, if anybody has any questions, this is a good time to. Oh, I think we do actually have a question. Do we have an operations manual or a template? <laughs> we have lots of operations manuals. We yes, do. <laughs> we got a lot. <laughs> Mm -hmm. we have we have them for every topic amber is actually working on right now creating a straight line manual miranda might be the library
2: queen but the process
0: queen crown comes on over that's right
2: that's (laughs) right that's right um
0: we have a checklist that we follow for every client Uh, we remove i think things that don't apply to the client and we Mm -hmm. add depending on the engagement letter right Mm -hmm. yeah i think
2: that might be what you're talking about um yeah that's for every service offering so you know, it's there for onboarding, but it's also there for every service that we offer. Yeah. We make sure everything's yeah. as streamlined as possible. There shouldn't be questions on what should or shouldn't be done. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, and I'm also implementing a 60-day check-in um, with the outside salesperson to the person I sold. So that would be me for now to check in how they're doing. And we also do a survey at the end, too, to see how their experience mm-hmm. went and try to get a review at the end of the um, onboarding as well, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, that was a fun episode. We enjoyed it. Um, well, I really appreciate you guys all signing, joining us, Amber. Thank you. As always Just love having Happy you on to be
2: here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. And, um, so again, we are, we have already, um, put up what course we're have our first course coming out in the next couple of weeks. We are, um, very busy working on recording the modules for you guys for the foundations of the accounting firm. Um, and if you're not part of our group, join our group. I dropped the link in the chat a little while ago. Katie, had dropped it just to us before. Um, and then, um, So yeah, Facebook group is there and we're also, this is a podcast. So if you want to just check us out, I think we mentioned at the beginning of this, but some of you might've missed it. You can go anywhere. You listen to podcasts and type in owners, ampersand operations dash accountants or Erin Andrews. I'm the better one. Um, Usually comes up by that too, I think. But um, yeah, I don't know if she
3: has a podcast, does she? I don't care. I'm just the
0: better one in general. I'm just the better one in general. Okay. So uh, yeah, we'll see you next Friday at 12 PM Eastern. Right? Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye, Amber. Have a good day. Have a good
1: weekend. Bye. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you in five minutes, like usual. See ya. So thanks for listening
0: this week. Again, if you have questions, topic suggestions, or you or someone else you know could be a guest on the podcast, join our Facebook group and get in touch. If you want to email us directly,
1: it's podcast at ownersandoperations.com. Thanks again for listening, and I
0: hope everyone has a great week. Thanks.